0: October 19th, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Now the Holy Spirit tells us, believers, clearly, that in the last times some will turn away from what we believe. They will follow lying spirits and teachings that come from demons. These teachers are hypocrites and liars. They pretend to be religious, but their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanksgiving by people who know and believe the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it. We may receive it gladly, with thankful hearts, for we know it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you explain this to the brothers and sisters, you will be doing your duty as a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is fed by the message of faith and the true teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important, for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. This is true, and everyone should accept it. We work hard and suffer much in order that people will believe the truth, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of those who believe. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young Be an example to all believers in what you teach, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken to you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right, and God will save you and those who hear you.
1: My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. To know the voice of God is a privilege exclusively for the children of God. God wants to speak to us. God wants to communicate to his children. As we see in Revelations 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And 'll we'll sup with him and he with me. I read a wonderful quote from Lauren Cunningham and he stated, "God is desiring to let us know that he's not only alive and well, he is not only in charge of the whole universe, but he's personally concerned and would personally speak to his children and I couldn't agree more with these words. The Bible says in Exodus 33 verse 11, and the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Knowing the voice of God is a very real experience. It is one of the highest forms of relationship and intimacy.
2: What meditation is. There's nothing complicated about biblical meditation. It can be put quite simply, you may not agree with my definition, but I'm willing to stand by it. It's listening to God. But it's not mystic. It's not eerie. There's no mantras involved. No astral travel. And no experience of cosmic consciousness. The God who we worship is speaking one of the wonderful truths taught in Scripture. Because he spoke, by definition, he's speaking. The Lord Jesus Christ, we're told by Luke, began both to do and to teach. Are you willing to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is still doing and still teaching? Is there Or is there not such a thing as being Spirit taught? God is speaking, but are you listening? And if you're listening, are you hearing? That's how we approach this subject in meditation. We want to be friends of God. Some people have had that wonderful title. We want to be able to sing, He walks with me and He talks with me. But we want to be able to sing it, because actually that's our own experience, it's not just a song which somebody else has written. Uh, We want to know in daily experience what it means to feed, to feed on the bread of life. Meditation is listening to God. Now I want to stress this because it's important today to make it plain that we're not talking about what modern gurus talk about. There are all sorts of modern gurus, new ages and assorted vegetarians around us today who've got all these strange ideas. Well, biblical meditation is completely the opposite of that. Our intention is listening to God. As we read through the Gospels, 12 times or more we see our Lord Jesus Christ disappear from human company. And what did he do? Well, sometimes we're told very specifically what he did, that he prayed all night to
3: God. But is that all he did? Was it, was it, was it just, what actually was that prayer? Now, I want you to listen to this carefully. Probably, if I said to you, well, do you pray? Yes. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, when you pray, uh, what do you pray for primarily? More than likely, you're gonna say, for my needs, naturally oh, I pray for my friends or people who are sick or whatever. Well, um, when you pray, how long do you pray? What do you pray about? And then, how long after you finish talking do you listen? You see, you cannot have an intimate relationship if you do all the talking. If you're married or you have a dear friend and you do all the talking. On and on and, on and on and on you go. I mean you just and so the other person never gets a chance to say anything. What happens? After a while, what do they do? They close up. They don't want to say anything. Because you have demonstrated that you are not listen to this. You're not interested in what they have to say. You're only interested in what you have to say. I know what you're thinking. You say, well, now, wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that when I pray, I should expect God to speak back to me? Yes. For the simple reason He created us and revealed Himself to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, in order to develop this intimate relationship with us. You could never have intimacy with somebody if you don't listen to them. How do you discover their hurts, their pain, their needs, their desires? How do you discover uh, what's going on in their life if you don't listen to them? And as we've seen many, many times before among children and teenagers, what is it they want above above everything else with their parents? Here's what they'll say. I want them to listen to me. Everybody wants to be listened to. So let me ask you this. The last time you prayed, did you stop and say, Lord, now that's my feeling, now I want to hear what you've got to say. Oh, you say, well, you know, God doesn't speak to me. Oh, yes, He does. His Spirit speaks to your spirit, but you've got to be willing to listen, to give Him time to speak. If you say your prayer or pray to Him, and get up off your knees. More than likely, if this is the kind of praying you're doing, you're not on your knees anyway. But if you just pray and, and the last thing you know, you, you go to sleep, you didn't hear from God. You just voiced your feelings. Remember this, He created us for the primary purpose of developing a personal intimate relationship with us because we are the only part of His creation with whom He can have a relationship. And he said, let us create man in our own image, listen, which was the highest honor that he could possibly give us to be created in his image and to have his spirit living within us so that our spirit can connect with his spirit. And we sense this oneness, this closeness, this intimacy, this indescribable relationship. But you've got to be willing to listen. Somebody says, well, I don't think God's ever spoken to me. Yes, He has. Well, you don't know whether He has or not. Yes, I do. How do I know that? Because I know who He is. And He does speak. And He speaks in different ways. But if you're going to have an intimate relationship, you've got to figure out, how does He think? How does He act? How does He work? So, we have the Word of God, a big part of that, to help us understand who He is. And, and, and the truth is, this is the most important thing you own. You can't, you, you may have a 40-carat diamond doesn't even compare to this, like sand. You may own this and own that. You may be very prosperous in life. If this book is not a part of your heart, you are in poverty, no matter who you are. Because this is where truth is. This is the truth about God. And God has given us His Word in order to do what? To give us understanding so that when we read His Word and we begin to search His Word, and begin to understand the way he thinks and the way he works in a person's life. Intimacy means I must be willing to listen to him. What does he want to say?
4: I want to I, I need to go over this so carefully so that at least you'll be able to get a hold of it, understand what it is like because there is so much, I think, misguided information about how God communicates with us and what it does for us, that we need to be very careful. As disciples, we want to understand that the parable of the sower applies to each of us all the time. The sower is Jesus. And he uses people, of course, to do that. And he speaks through people. And he sows the word of the kingdom. But it isn't passive on the side of those who receive the word. I can lose the word of God that comes to me because I'm distracted. Distraction is the first way of losing the word in the parable of the sower. Do you remember? The sower sows the word and some fall out on the pathway here and the birds come and take it away. That's distraction. The enemy uses distraction. We go to church and we hear a good word. And by the time we're out the door we've forgotten it or we got it but we didn't take it in and really seize it and make it our own see that's the one on the shallow ground and then there's the seed that fell into the thorns and the weeds and the cares of this world and uh, various kinds of things Exist along with the seed, and the seed sprouts and grows up, but it is crowded out by other things. It's still there. And then there's the part that falls in the good ground, and it brings forth fruit. Now, you see, we are apt to think that's evangelism. We're apt to think that that only applies to conversion or something of that sort. But this is a teaching about your life and my life constantly. The word of the kingdom is coming to us, comes to us in the Bible, comes to us in the speaking of the heart, but it comes as a still, small voice that we have to pay careful attention to in order to make it fruitful in our lives.